and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is uh, plenty of time, Jesse. I don't know what you're talking about. Tim and Friends for February 25th. 2022, I'm Tim McAuliffe, and uh, barely. You want to explain? <laughs> do you, you want to explain? You almost hosted the show. Okay. Uh, so when did I get the call? Now I'm thinking like 4.45. Oh, you got it at 4.45? Oh, yeah. I got the call at 4.45. Oh. I called at around 4.29 Eastern time. Yeah. To say that I was driving down the DVP about 10 minutes away from the building, and... Everything stopped. Yeah. It's Toronto for you. <laughs> yes. That's the DVP for you. That's the DVP. We've, we've talked about the DVP yes. on yes. this show before. Yes. A couple times. Yes. There's Several times. No more hopeless feeling than traffic just stopping. Can you hear me breathing hard right now? Because <laughs> the best part of this is, as I'm, sp- I'm late, I get stopped in traffic. I call down to the producer, Thomas Dobby. I say, listen, I've just stopped. Like, I don't know where I'm going right now. There's ambulances passing me on this highway. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And uh, so I get into the building at 4.51. I sprint. I did the COVID testing where I had already done it at home. So I checked in. I got my bracelet. I went through I'm getting a call right now. That's I very went, impressive that you did I, that. Remember to do <laughs> yeah. that. I went through that. And then I sprinted up. The stairs, down the hall, grabbed a jacket, ran downstairs, and here we are. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain in ways that I can help you because I know you're going to be running in last minute, whatever. I'm like, should I go grab a suit from the, from the wardrobe room? Like, what? Are, how can I help? It was a helpless feeling for me, so I can imagine that. No, but you were going to host the show, so did you, like, did you have a plan? <laughs> yeah, we had a, pl- we had a plan. What were we going to do? The original plan was to Zoom you behind me. Right. And just see what was up. <laughs> and then we got, the, we got the word that you were going to possibly be in the building. So then Faisal Kamisa was, was actually on standby oh, nice. to come in and answer the first few questions and first things first. Oh, well, Faisal. This is just for so, Faisal being right. It's a team game here at, at Sportsnet you know, on Tim and Friends. So I'm here. Uh, I do not have makeup on. So if I look especially greasy, <laughs> bear with me. By the end of the show, I might powder a little bit so this looks a little less shiny. And most of it's just sweat from me sprinting through the building. So, again, I am Tim McAuliffe. Well done. Joined, as always, by Jesse Rubinoff, who is almost the host of Tim or Jesse and Friends here on Sportsnet. Uh, Listen, you are always friends of the show. It's not just you. Like Garth Brooks, i got friends in low places and some high places as well. You can determine when Mark Spears, Sam Cosentino, and Donovan Bennett fit into that. Either way, they will be joining the fray today, plus it's a Friday, so we'll try and brighten the mood either with me sprinting and sweating <laughs> and or the best of the week, although this might be a part of the best of the week now that we're here. Actually, it might be better. Do we have a worst of the week segment? Maybe we should start. Because normally, <laughs> normally I would come in like before noon, but since COVID... Right. We come in later and later and later, and this one's the latest that we've come in. It's funny, like you, because there's no like mandate. You're doing work at home, right? So it's always like, how far can you push it back before it becomes a problem and you run into an accident or something, and yeah. then you could be screwed. Now it's going to be so three o'clock. I'm sorry, boss is above. I'm going to be in the building at three p.m. <laughs> this Eastern is good content, every, every, every in my day. opinion. Yes, in my opinion. Uh, the, the start of this show, the last couple months have felt well. 
kind of like Carl Lewis singing the national anthem. Ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. Oh, 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 oh say <laughs> can you see? This is a start. And the rockets, red flag. Uh oh. <laughs> I'll make up for it now. For the land of the free. That was so much national anthem. I'm glad that you weren't laughing at me like no. that when I walked into the, the studio. Uh, the uh-oh is one of the, is, uh, I'm like crying. The uh-oh, uh-oh, uh -oh, I'll make yeah. up for it now. It's one of the funniest things. Who talks during the national anthem? <laughs> it's so good. That one and the All-Star game where all the players are laughing at Fergie, Fergie are yeah. just like probably the two like best national anthem. You know what makes are? Carl Lewis's so much better? What? Is that he's a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> or at least he was, he was a douchebag. Uh, I will try and stay off that scale today, but I can't promise anything like even being here today. It's a Friday, and sometimes uh, your boy gets a little giddy, but I doubt it'll happen today. Uh, that's why I've enlisted the help of Jesse Rubinoff, as always, here on the show. Keep me on the tracks. Keep the show on the air. And we start that journey always with first things first. So uh, let's cut it loose. Former NHL defenseman Pear Juice. I did nothing. You made it, so. Uh, okay. First things first starts today with the eyes of the world, of course, squarely on Ukraine after yeah. Russia's invasion and ongoing bombardment. Athletes, of course, have been weighing in on the situation. Alexander Ovechkin has a relationship with Russian President Vladimir Putin and has supported Putin for years. Yesterday, Ovi decided not to talk to the media, but this afternoon he did. Here is his Q&A with the media, unedited from a short time ago. In Philadelphia. Wake of recent events. Just what are kind of your current thoughts about the situation in Ukraine? Um, obviously, it's a hard situation. Um, you know, um, I have lots of friends in Russia and uh, Ukraine, and it's hard to see uh, the war. Like, I hope uh, soon it's going to be over and um, there's going to be uh, peace in the whole world. Do you support Russia's invasion of Ukraine? Um, like I'm Russian, right? Um, sometimes like something, some something I can control, you know, it's not in my hands. Um, how I said, like, I hope it's gonna end soon and uh, it's gonna be uh, peace in uh, both countries. And uh, you know, um, I don't, I don't control this one. Alex, uh, specific to uh, President Putin, you've shown your support for him in the past. You know, you get pictures, we've seen the pictures of you with him. Do you still support him as he leads this invasion of Ukraine? Well, he's uh, my president. Um, but how I said, like, I'm not in politics, like, I'm an athlete. And, um, you know, um, how I said, uh, hope is everything is going to be done soon. Um, you know, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's a hard situation right now for uh, both sides. And, uh, um Everything, like how I said, everything I hope uh, is going to be end, and um, I'm not control uh, uh, this situation. The last 48 hours, as you've seen the pictures of the suffering, and death, things that are happening in Ukraine, like, what goes to your mind when you see those images on television? Um, it's hard. Um, it's hard situation. Um, you know, um, 
I have a family uh, back in Russia, and uh, you know it's uh, uh, it's scary moments. But uh, you know we uh, we can't do anything. Uh, you know uh, we just uh, hope it's gonna be end soon, and uh, uh, everything's gonna be all right. You mentioned a minute ago you're an athlete. You're not a politician. Just curious, like how closely did you follow? The lead up, you know, the, the, the several weeks before the invasion, and how closely have you just followed what's happened over the last 48 hours? Um, like, like how I said, my family over there, um, you know, of course, uh, pay attention what's happened out there. Uh, um, I don't want to see uh, nobody get hurt, nobody get killed. Um, how I said, um, hope is going to be over, and uh, uh, we're going to be living in a uh, good world. What have, uh, you mentioned there that you know, your family is over there now. What have you decided with regard to are, are, are they going to stay in Russia? What, what are you going to do? Um, it's, a, it's a hard question because it just happened a couple of days ago. Um, uh, we will see what's, uh, what's going to happen. We've seen other athletes, other Russian athletes, speak out and say, no more war, please, and, and other things, you know, kind of forcefully. What, what, what's your... Uh, please, no more war, you know. Um, it doesn't matter uh, who is in the war, uh, Russia, Ukraine, and different countries. Uh, I think we live in a world like uh, we have to live in peace and uh, uh, great, be uh, great world. Hmm. Tim, thoughts on what Ovechkin had to say? Yeah, it's it's hard to walk back a history like Ovechkin has with Vladimir Putin, and I'm not sure he can. I said, well, Ovechkin is saying that he doesn't want war is a step. I'm not sure it's exactly the kind of step that people wanted to hear from Ovi. Like, he's made an impact in favor of Putin in the past, and he had a chance to make a strong statement here and moving forward against the war. And I'm like, I'm not sure he really did that. Like, yes, he's an athlete, and he doesn't control these types of things, but his opinion means something to so many Russian citizens, the same citizens that Ukraine's President Zelensky appealed to in a very passionate speech before the attack started. Listen, if you're wondering what some people wanted from Alexander Ovechkin in that press conference, here's journalist-slash-Baltimore math teacher, friend of the show, Slava Malamud, on the Fan 590 in Toronto yesterday. If Ovechkin were, were to come out right now and say, I don't support this war, I want it to end, I think it's wrong, I don't support Putin's, uh, what Putin is doing in Ukraine, that alone would be an enormous, of enormous influence to the Russian people. He will not do it. In fact, I'm challenging him to do it, but he won't. If he were to say it right now, a lot of people currently who are kind of going along with Putin's explanations would really scratch their heads and would really start thinking about maybe what we are doing out, out there is not right. Mm. Uh, if he were to say that, that would be huge. I believe in progress no matter how slow, but this is kind of sort of different. Like Ovechkin can make a real difference. That said, I, we have to remember North American athletes, entertainers, media members have an ability that many don't across the world based on the freedoms that we actually have, that we and our athletes are afforded free speech and the freedom to criticize our political leaders, no matter what some have tried to say in the last couple months, and Russians and their athletes 
and other parts of the world just don't have those same freedoms and the results are much more serious than people yelling at you on Twitter. So it's worth remembering once again that Ovi's family, his wife, sons and parents are currently in Russia and that obviously plays a factor. Yes, I think it's a very uh, important point. So, I mean, I don't want to say he's you know boxed into a corner here, but there's certainly tension and people watching what he's saying on both sides, I'm sure. Yeah, so. it's just, I, like, I don't know that we here in North America, because of how good we've had it for so long, understand the situation that a lot of different people in a lot of different countries uh, have to deal with each and every day. And that's why Canada and the United States have become such a refuge to other nations yeah. across the world. And the people that I've grown up with have told me stories of what would happen to people who spoke out against the government. And I think we've all, if you've grown up in a, in a, in a populated area with immigrants, you've had that conversation before and you understand how different it is. That said, there's right and there's wrong. Absolutely. Uh, no easy way to transition from that story, but nope. we will do it Or from anyway. running into the studio half late to that <laughs> conversation, but hence we do it here on Tim and We Friends. do it anyways. Yeah. Uh, the Calgary Flames' 10-game winning streak came to a crashing halt last night. The Canucks scoring five goals in the second period, including three on the power play. In a 7-1 win, Thatcher Demko made 29 saves. He was awesome as the Canucks broke out their throwback jerseys for their biggest win of the season. Very. Timmy. Uh, did you bet on the Flames last night? <laughs> no, thankfully, I was parenting last night and did not get a bet down. But if you're referring to me saying that was as close to a guaranteed <laughs> win night as I get to, I also said that's why I don't like guaranteed win nights because that matchup was better on the jerseys than it was on the ice. Yeah. Like, those are two of the greatest jerseys in the game right now. And Thatcher Demko rocking the throwback Kirk McLean mask, even throwing in a throwback Kirk McLean save, flashing the leather in that game. Those are some very nice jerseys. And JT Miller, after the game, suggested that the guys liked them too. And perhaps they might wear them a little bit more. Check out that old They should. I, I feel like um, in, in recent years, throwback jerseys are making like a real comeback. Like, even the ugly ones yeah. are coming back, and they're not considered ugly anymore. I think that's uh, everything turns over after a number of years. So, uh, those are definitely not ugly. They're beautiful. So, um, let me throw something at you here because that was a great win for Vancouver. Very, very impressive. And it concluded yeah. an impressive homestand as well. And you and I talked, or I talked to Bo Horvat, but you were here when I talked to mm -hmm. Bo Horvat. And he was talking about getting a shot with this group to get an uninterrupted run. Might they be trying to prove to Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford that this group deserves to stay together? Because there is no team in the National Hockey League right now with more trade rumors, and that includes the Montreal Canadiens, than the Vancouver Canucks. Yes, I mean, it's such a great point because it, you look at who did the damage last night, and it was the big guns. It was Bo Horvat, JT Miller. Uh, Elias Pettersson, yeah. and it's been that way for the last little while now. So I, I've said this really from the beginning with JT Miller. Like, if, if you're willing to, to pay for what JT Miller is going to get, he is a, an outstanding hockey player. Like, everyone in the NHL would want a JT Miller on their team. I think the, the big difference is from the team prior to making the coaching change to now is that you are getting the contributions from 
the top guys that you were not getting earlier in the season. That starts with those three. Uh, but, yeah, you're seeing something that we thought they were going to be a better team than they were under Travis Green. And I think you're starting to see that they're actually a pretty good team. And it, they have a great goaltender, too. Okay, so answer my question, Jesse Rubinoff. You went a long way there, and you didn't answer my question. Are they going to keep them together? I think they should. Yeah? Yeah, I think they should. I think, like I said, JT Miller is a guy that I would want on a hockey team too. if I'm moving Without forward a to doubt. try and win. Without a doubt, but what about Brock Besser? Yeah. What about, what about, what about? Because there's been a lot of names that have been bandied about with this team, and I just wonder if they weren't trying to make a statement to the guys above. I mean, that's 17-7-4 now under Bruce Boudreaux. Mm-hmm. Are they just a better team, or are they showing flashes that we've already seen before up against the cap and just not good enough? Yeah. That's the hard decision that needs to be made in Vancouver, and you didn't want to make it, <laughs> and that's, I don't know if I want to make that, it. That's why uh, your, your lookalike, Patrick Alvin, he's got to make that, that tough call. I mean, but that's what it starts with, right? It starts with the Brock Bessers and the JT Millers, and that is a fundamental change to that organization. Like, that's not a small decision. Without that's the entire future of the team, basically. Without a doubt. So, okay. Uh, Chase Claypool, did you happen to see what he did on the Jumbotron last night, too, becoming an instant uh, Canucks legend? Why don't we... Uh, yeah, a legend, a legend in Vancouver. I don't know about and Calgary, Chase though. Claypool, we put up a touchdown, baby! 7 nothing is a touchdown score, and I just want to say the Calgary Flames suck so bad. <laughs> Well, they don't suck. They just had a 10-game winning streak, but we get the point. Do you think, uh, do you think he had a couple drinks before that? I think so. I think I saw a couple videos of, of him actually drinking. So, yeah. <laughs> right. I do, but uh, charismatic didn't, fellow, that did, Chase didn't, Yeah, charismatic fellow. Yeah. <laughs> Except for the people in Calgary who weren't laughing like you were. Not at all. Not right. at all. Uh, okay, the Toronto Maple Leafs snapped a three-game slump with a 3-1 win over the Wild last night. Peter Mrazek made 29 saves, while Austin Matthews scored twice, including the game winner after the game head coach Sheldon Keefe. And high praise for Matthew's play on both ends of the ice. Have a listen. First goal that he scores, like there's a very small number of players in the league that are going to score a goal like that. And the second goal is completely earned. You see the commitment defensively for him. I don't know how many pucks he stripped from behind today or broke up, but it's a high number. He's He doesn't get enough credit for how he plays defensively. Hmm. In terms of his complete game, is Austin Matthews possibly underrated? <laughs> it's an interesting question. Like, if you're talking about the complete game, then the criticism that you saw against Montreal, do you remember the 5 nothing goal Montreal scored against the Toronto Maple Leafs mm-hmm. and there were Leaf fans screaming that Austin Matthews didn't make a concerted enough effort to get back mm-hmm. and stop that goal? Those kind of things have to not happen. And I know it's a little tiny thing, but those are the little things that the Leafs are going to have to tie up if they're going to win when it matters most. That said, Matthews was absolutely unreal last night. And TSN did a wonderful job of showing how many times he lifted the stick of an opponent to steal the puck and create opportunities going the other way. It didn't even matter if he was creating the opportunities going the other way. This is just a goal. He did it like 15 times. Yeah, vintage. That's like, what he does. It was, it was unbelievable. And if you do that every game, 
if you're Austin Matthews, you are sliding into a different echelon of player. Like, we all know he can score. My guy's got 77 goals in his last 100 games. In his last 100 games, he's got 77 goals. I'm here to say loud and clear that if Austin Matthews plays the way he did last night, he has legitimately played himself into the Hart Trophy conversation. He now leads the league in goal scoring. He's fourth in scoring, period. And uh, you add the consistency of that 200-foot game, and that right there is a Hart Trophy nominee. Plus 700 currently on the books. Is that worth a sprinkle? I thought you get more value on that right now. Well, he's dropping like a stone because he's yeah, been Yeah, I looked at it like a week and a half ago, and it was like plus 1,800. Yeah. I think what last night showed me is that he's really taken on a leadership role. The team needed a victory last night. They were, it was a yeah. three-game three losing streak. The media was talking. We were talking about it. Level of concern. I said I was a little bit concerned for the first time in a long time. And he basically put the team on his back last night in a very impressive victory. Yeah, and the Leafs, team defense. Team defense. Mrazek was kind of good last night. Uh, Sneaky. Uh, uh, team defense. Uh, team defense held... I mean, he did his job, but there are a couple times where he kicked out rebounds right in the middle yeah. of the slot on softer shots. Moves around a lot. But holding the third highest scoring team in the league to one goal, that's what the Leafs need to be almost all of the time. Yes. Sheldon Keefe uh, was proud of his, his club last night. Okay, to the NBA, where the Raptors are back in action against the Hornets. They'll be without OG Ananobi, who has a fractured finger, while Fred Van Vliet is questionable with right knee soreness. Meanwhile, last night, DeMar DeRozan continued to ball out. He hit the game-winning bucket again and finished with 37 points on 15 for 21 shooting. We just talked about Matthews as an MVP candidate. Is now a good time to revisit DeMar for MVP? Uh, I'm glad you said revisit DeMar for MVP because we've been there and we've done that. For those who forget, let's go back to, I don't know, before the year started? December, exact. When do you sprinkle a little on DeMar DeRozan for MVP? The calendar year, okay? The calendar year. <laughs> It was December 2021, whatever, December 2021. Either way, how about this for numbers? Mm -hmm. Players with eight straight 35-point games in NBA history. Wilt Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, James Harden, and DeMar DeRozan. He shot over 50% from the floor in all eight of those games. You know who's done that in NBA history? Just Wilt Chamberlain and DeMar DeRozan. The numbers are unbelievable, and I've been telling you guys for years, years, you do not need the cosign of guys south of the border on basketball. We know our ish up here. So now that everyone else is jumping on the bandwagon because he's had this unbelievable run, don't forget we were already there north of the board. And I'm not just saying me. I'm saying there were others saying, look at what DeMar DeRozan is doing. You don't always need the cosign. 
of someone south of the border. Hold on, wait a second. Coming up next, Mark Spears will join us <laughs> right here on Tim and Friends. Uh, Raptors, Hornets tonight. Some really good games in the NBA last night. Some really good games in the NBA tonight. And we'll break it all down with our friend Mark Spears. Uh, also, Jesse, a couple of things that we got to get to uh, as we move forward. Dobbs, do we have time for any of this? We'll do, yeah, we'll do uh, a good news of the day story a little later on in the show. But still to come, Donovan Bennett will stop by for the final half hour. Sammy Cosentino from the NHL on Sportsnet Studios weighing in on the Canucks, Flames, Jets, and Leafs. And as mentioned after the break, Mark Spears drops by to discuss DeMar, the Raptors, James Harden's debut tonight. You can see it on the Sportsnet family of channels. And is LeBron James going to get traded from L.A.? It's L.A.L.A. tonight. There is going to be plenty of talk surrounding that game. Tim and Friends continues. We, uh, we don't need the cosign from the stage, but he's coming up anyway. And lead back out on the floor. Oh, gee, with a power move over top. Jimmy Butler. Rozier. Oh, Pascal. With Fred Van Vliet lighting it up. The Toronto Raptors are for real. Well, it's exciting for your team to be the talk of the basketball world, but 76ers making their intentions clear. It's about winning now to bringing in a guy like James Harden. And now Jeff Biel is going to fight Chara on his record-breaking night. Well, let's see how much he's willing to bite off here. This is my mom. Hold on. Uh-uh. I'm trying to work right now. It's Tim and Friends, big night in the NBA. Nine games on the schedule. We've got three of them on the Sportsnet family of channels. Sportsnet 1, Kyle Lowry in the Heat face R.J. Barrett and the Knicks at MSG. Sportsnet now, James Harden makes his Sixers debut as they face Carl Anthony Towns and the T-Wolves playing better ball. It's an 8 p.m. Eastern tip time. And later on Sportsnet 1, that's right, kids, Clippers, Lakers. What we thought it would be and what it is. They enter the night sitting 8th and ninth in the West, respectively. Of course, a lot of issues in and around both teams, but more specifically, LeBron and the Lakers. Here to help us sort through that, ESPN's Mark Spears, who joins me now. Spearsy, what's going on? Trying to figure out the world, brother. <laughs> Aren't we all, man? Uh, Aren't we all? Can we just can we focus in on the Lakers for a second? Same boat. Trying to figure them out, too. Oh, my goodness. So, like, listen, we had Kenny the Jet Smith on the show yesterday, and he says this is just L.A. being L.A. This is Hollywood writing scripts, and a bunch of injuries have taken place here, and they haven't been able to see their actual team. And when they get to see, if they get to see their actual team, it's probably better than what we're at. Do you believe that? What is the definition of better? Right. <laughs> that is a, that's an important caveat in that explanation. Because better than what we see isn't really saying much, right? I mean, it's um, you've seen some flashes here and there. Yes, they've had a lot of injuries. Um, Anthony Davis being out a lot. Yeah, that's, that's real. Um, but it's been pretty much obvious this season that Russell Westbrook's not a good fit for this team. It's kind of surprised that um, they did not make a move, although it would have included that 2027 first-round pick. I actually think the Lakers should have did it. 
you know, it sounded like LeBron was in favor of them trading perhaps Russell Westbrook for John Wall. Uh, John Wall's a really good catch-and-shoot player, seems to be healthy. And to me, the Lakers have a window with LeBron, right, that could shut down if he suddenly wants to go or shut down when he seems to be getting older. And and you know from covering sports for a while, man, when you become old, it it, it, it just shows up, right, and it doesn't reverse. It's quick, yeah. Yeah. And but I, I don't see that in LeBron, but – you know, the, the fact that they didn't do make a change. Uh, and I'm not certain what change he thought would be best, but to me, the only real change would have been a John Wall one, and it didn't happen, that he certainly wasn't behind them not doing something. It sounded like he wanted them to make a change. So, you know, the, the Lakers cannot be um, just comfortable that just because he has two years on his deal that he wants to be there, that he's happy that everything's going to be fine through the rest of his contract. The fact that you heard these flirtations with Cleveland returning and such and those kind of things, and I'd like to play with my son, right, who would be available to all 30 teams. Like, if, I, if I'm the Lakers, like, I, I would have sold a piece of that farm if, I, if it meant that that team could be better and, and potentially be in a better spot to win a championship. Yeah, I just don't know that John Wall does that for you um, as opposed to Russell Westbrook. Gets you over the yeah. hump where they want to be. So, yeah. Plachke writes in the LA Times that the Lakers should trade LeBron James. Can you see a, a, a divorce happening whatever way it happens? And listen, LeBron has Le, LeBron and Rob Palenka, the GM there, have been back and forth. They talk it's understood that LeBron has more power than any NBA player maybe has ever had. Could you see the divorce as early as this offseason? I'm I'm trying to think back of a time in recent memory where, I mean, I guess Shaq got traded, right? Yeah. That, that was probably the last time you saw such a dominant force get, get moved, but there was another dominant force in Kobe Bryant as well. Um I can't see that happening or them having the guts to do it unless he wanted to go. The one thing that Plashy certainly probably mentioned is that LeBron doesn't have uh, protection trade-wise. Mm-hmm. He does, have, does not own a no-trade clause in his contract. So, so the Lakers can do that. Uh, could it be smart to do it? Interesting, right? Um, I, I remember Danny Ainge telling me once that he told Red Arback that he should have traded um, Larry Bird in the latter stages of his career. I, I don't know how well that would have went with Celtics fans at the time. <laughs> but um, what do you get back? You know, how would the Lakers fans react to it? You do know that while he's there, no matter what, you're making a ton of money. Right. And keep in mind that the Clippers are about to move into this new building. I don't know that LeBron is as beloved yet where Lakers fans would turn their back on the franchise if they did make a trade. But, boy, that's a, that's a lot of guts to trade LeBron James, and I, I can't see that happen. <laughs> yeah, that would be t- – all right, so uh, James Harden's been traded a couple times. Uh, he'll make his Sixers debut. Uh, what, what, do <laughs> <laughs> what do you expect? What do you expect from the Sixers it. with James? Very interesting question. There's one basketball, two guys. One could have said, hey, well, in Brooklyn, there was three three guys in one basketball. Um, I, I do think that uh, 
it, it's really tough when you don't have a training camp, when you don't um, get some time, that much practice time as they don't now together, um, how they'll coexist. Yeah. Typically, trades like this make a bigger dividend the next season. Power Gasol, when he got traded to the Lakers, would probably tell you differently because they ended up making it to the finals with him with the Lakers. So there, there is that sample size. But um, I'm really curious to see how they are tonight. That There's going to be a lot of emotion tonight because it's the first game. But then after that, you know, I, I, I do wonder, does jealousy set in at some point? Like, who's Daryl Morey's best friend? Was <laughs> it me or him? Yeah. Right. And and who, whose team is it? And who's who who gets the last shot? Or you know, those two guys to me, whether they're uh, NBA championship team or bust, those two guys have to be on the same page, or it's not going to work. So that's why I'm really curious to see how those guys fit together because you know he's James is a ball dominant guard and and Embiid's a ball dominant big. And he is the favorite to win the MVP. And I, I, I want to mention here, and you see him lit up a little bit, DeMar DeRozan at plus 900. Now, to start the year, uh, Mr. DeRozan to the Caesars Sportsbook was 250 to 1. In December, uh, Jesse Rubinoff and I, young Jesse Rubinoff sitting over there, and I had a conversation, and I asked, when do you sprinkle a little money on DeMar DeRozan for MVP? Uh, and this was, again, in December. Now as we sit... Mr. Spears, on February 25th, 2022, has DeMar DeRozan legitimately played himself into this MVP conversation? Uh, if I had a vote, I'd give it to him. Ooh. Do you have a vote? I'd opt not to. That's a, um, okay, good. Because I was going to say. If, for another day. Yeah, if you didn't opt not to, I, I was going to say I that's horse bleep. I would have one if I chose to, <laughs> right. I choose not to. I get, I get it, I get it. Yeah. Uh, but um, to me, and it's funny because I talked to somebody in DeRozan's camp, and I'm like, it's about the full body of work. I know everybody gets excited about it now, or like, you know, you see the MVP ladder in November. Yeah. I want to see the MVP ladder about three weeks from now. That's where it's real. And when I did vote, to me, I, I, I also heavily put wins and losses in there. Mm-hmm. Chicago has the best record in the East, and you have to keep in mind, they, who expected that? I thought they would be better, but if Chicago is the number one seed and DeMar DeRozan is the one behind that, how do you not pick him? Right? I mean, it's not like, I mean, I see Joker on the list. Denver ain't the top team. I know they got the injuries there. Joel. Record, record means a lot to me, and I would hope it would mean a lot to voters. I mean, Embiid is having a sensational season. Um, and their record is pretty good, but I, I'm stunned to where the Bulls are. Stunned. Yeah. I, I, I thought at best they were maybe a number four team in the Eastern Conference, and then for them to have the best record now, that, that can. I think they would have to have the best record from him to win it because it, sadly there is a popularity contest that goes with it, and you know there had but there has been a lot of momentum in terms of who to myself stories that are being written about them attention that's being given to him and you know maybe because he doesn't have drama and doesn't do wild stuff when he plays or dresses uh like he's on a runway in france to the game that he doesn't get the attention that 
perhaps he should deserve. But if Chicago can land that top seed, don't be surprised if he, he ends up with the trophy. I know you wrote a story a couple of days ago about DeMar DeRozan. We only got about a minute left here. But what, what jumped out at you? I know you talked to him at All-Star, and the story's kind of about the evolution of his game, which I'm like, that's the most impressive part for me is that the guy's never stopped working and just keeps getting better and better and better. But what, what stuck out to you? It's amazing, like, how many guys consider him their big brother. Yeah. And he keeps tabs on them, whether it's, you know, Fred Van Vliet, Jason Tatum, uh, DeJounte Murray. Um, I got a, a, a Levine. There's a, there's a rookie with the Bulls who I forgot what went to Illinois and DeMar showed up to his, jer- his jersey retirement in Illinois. He used to go to Fred Van Vliet's 905 games, right? Yeah. Like, he's always been a big brother, and he's still, to this day, checks on those guys. It's not about basketball. How are you doing, man? You okay? You know, DeJounte Murray told me he cried after his, his sister unexpectedly died last summer and called DeMar to help him get through it. So not only is he a great player, he's a great person that is beloved throughout the league. There's two uh, there's two kids from Illinois on the Bulls roster, which is why I was confused. There's, there's A.O. and there's Malcolm Hill. Both A-O. went to Illinois. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I hope he's the one that's jersey was retired because I said that in my story. <laughs> I just look, I was like, who's yeah. there's two guys? Yeah. Anyways, uh, retired January 6th. Producer in my ear immediately. You are correct. AO is correct. And uh, so. Yes, thank God. <laughs> Your story is you got fact checkers and stuff, don't yeah. you? Undefeated's big time stuff. Uh, if you want to see the article, you can go to theundefeated.com. Uh, Always appreciate you dropping by and just talking some basketball. And I know that you are headed to Senegal soon, so we will keep an eye on that at the undefeated. That's right. Basketball Africa League. Stay tuned. Awesome. I think there's some Canadians playing based on what you were telling me. Yeah, we're going to have to. We'll, we'll do some digging and get you some names. All right. I'll come on live with them next week. From, yeah. From <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Dakar. That'd be, that, that would Let's be hook it good. up. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so Spears headed to Senegal. <laughs> uh, good, safe travels. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, brother. Take care. There is uh, our good friend Mark Spears. By the way, I uh, just got note Nick Nurse speaking to the media right now. Uh, there was some question around Freddie Van Vliet and mm-hmm. whether or not he would play tonight. He is good to go. He will be in the lineup against the Charlotte Hornets tonight for the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, he was. He, he said he wasn't feeling a hundred percent, but that worried me a little bit. But yeah, with OG a- out already, let's. Get some wins. Let's no, stack a lot of up people the saying, Well, he played in the All Star game. So did Chris Paul. So did Chris Paul. <laughs> He's out for, for a long time. <laughs> time for a break. Uh, we'll get to a stack best of the week after the break as Tim and Friend rolls on on a Friday. Yes, best of the week time next on Tim and Friends. Hey, we got graphics, so you know it's the best of the week. We've scoured the internet. We have combed the web curated the best of the best for your viewing enjoyment we show you the options then you can head over to our twitter account at tim and friends to vote for your favorite nominee number one is an inspiring story out of virginia and we could all use these kind of stories these days high schooler made headlines for his incredible performance in wrestling state champion 17 year old adonis Lattimore. now the, here's the key He was born with no legs and only one finger on his right hand, but that did not stop him. Uh Uh-uh. My guy 
State Wrestling Championship 106 pound weight class. Get it done. His coach was excited. <laughs> and it wasn't just his coach who was excited. Here comes Pops. That is unbelievable. And the embrace that he shares with his dad. We need more stories like that these days. Cutting onions in here. That's unreal. Who's cutting That's onions unreal. in here? All right, if that didn't make you smile, then this will. As Canadians, we all love tobogganing in the winter. What if you're new to the country and don't really know what tobogganing is? You're about to meet a student named Benji who ends up finding out exactly what tobogganing is all about. I like the snow though. Do you? Yeah, I do. Do you want to go tobogganing right now? I'd love to. I got schoolwork though. Uh, what are you studying? Physiology. Well, good luck, man. Mm. The weather right now is snowing. It's really bad, honestly. It's bad, but it's good for tobogganing. I don't know what tobogganing is. What's that? Can you go down a sled on down the hill in the snow? I'm actually from like Africa, so. You want to go tobogganing right now? She's never done that before. Yeah, sure. Where in Africa are you from? I'm from Zimbabwe, actually. When did you come to Canada? Like last year. Did you come with your family by yourself? No, by myself, so like, yeah. Oh, wow. I wish I did this sooner. Come on, Benji! That's amazing. <laughs> Who doesn't need that in their life? I'm going, I'm going tobogganing this weekend. I'll uh, be doing that now. I still with my kids all the time. Like, I have no qualms yeah. whatsoever of getting on. And we, we brought a GT snow racer last year. You don't know what a GT snow racer is. Oh, Jesse. What's a GT snow racer? <sighs> is that one like a sled that you can <sighs> that Jesse. you have like okay hold on just when I think I've fallen in love with you again you do something like this no just give me a second Google's quick this next one comes that's to what us I from just Col said Columbus. that's what I just said what is it, it is, you shouldn't have to think about what wheel. a GT snow racer is you should not have to think about what the greatest sled of all time I looks had this like. when I was a kid I had this when I was a kid it was you just took it out of the garage, you know? You didn't name it. You just did it. <laughs> I don't see what the big deal is. <laughs> there you go. You Googled it. I Googled it. The guy Googled it. This one's actually, it's, it's kind of dangerous. You got to be careful with those. Yeah, you can't play around on those. No. But we did. <laughs> yeah, we did. We built jumps. We, right, we have no more time for this nonsense. Next one comes to us from I Columbus, right. Ohio. And there's a lot to unpack on this one, just like when you unpack your GT snow racer. Miles Harris is a reporter. He was in the middle of taping a news report on the street when his mother pulled up. And, well, I think he uh, checked on his son. Listen to what mom has to say. Is it coming? This is my mom. Hold on. Uh -uh. <laughs> Hi, baby! <laughs> I'm trying to work right now. You over there calling my phone. This is D'Angelo. You can say hi. And don't be holding up traffic because you got cars behind you. 
<laughs> Telling her to get going. My, you got traffic. My guys look at the start of that so when he realizes mom is pulling up. <laughs> These are outstanding today. Classic. These are good. These are three. Yeah. So, all right, let's see if we can finish it up. Round it out. Nominee number four has been hailed, according to the internet, by maybe the, as maybe the best jersey unveiling ever, ever. Liberty University baseball team unleashed their new baby blue uniforms while performing a legendary track by the queen of pop herself. Enjoy. All right, Canada's queen of pop. Get off my back. Yeah, yes. Stop writing nice. in. Oh, it's Madonna. Good clarity. No, it's not. Celine's been around for much longer. She takes the title. What will take the title in our best of the week? At Tim and Friends. Make your pick, and we will tell you a little later on who's won our best of the week. That's a tough one. This is a very tough yeah. one. All right, time for a break, but when we come back, We'll head to the NHL on Sparsnet Studios. Chat with the one and only San Cosentino. Those are nice studios. The floor's a little fancier than ours. Ours kind of beat up of late. With that I, shiny I was wondering floor if you were chime in with an opinion on that, yeah. <laughs> uh, what do the Canucks do at the trade deadline? Austin Matthews, Hart Trophy. We'll discuss it all. What the hell's going on with the Jets? Next, with Sammy Cos. Sheepdogs back here. Hour number two in Tim and Friends. Final hour of our week. You can see the whole thing on Sportsnet 360, which includes Donovan Bennett in studio. Just a half an hour to go on Sportsnet. Hockey Central will take the reins, which includes Sam Cosentino, and he will join me in mere moments to talk all things hockey, including the Jets. And is JT Miller actually on the block? Meantime, as we showed you off the top, Alexander Ovechkin met with the media earlier today. It was much anticipated, and he weighed in on Russia's invasion of Ukraine and his long-standing relationship with Vladimir Putin. Do you support Russia's invasion of Ukraine? Um, like, I'm Russian, right? Um, sometimes, like, some, some, something I can control, you know, it's not in my hands. Um, how I said, like... I hope it's going to end soon and uh, it's going to be uh, peace in uh, both countries and, uh, you know, um, I, don't, I don't control this one. Alex, uh, specific to uh, President Putin, you've shown your support for him in the past. You know, you have pictures, we've seen the pictures of you with him. Do you still support him as he leads this invasion of Ukraine? Well, he's uh, my president, um, but how I said, like, I'm not in politics, like, I'm an athlete. And, um, you know, um, how I said, uh, hope is everything is going to be done soon. Um, you know, um, you know, it's, 
uh, inside the station right now for uh, both sides and uh, um, everything, like how I said, everything I hope uh, is going to be end. And um, I'm not control uh, uh, the situation. How I said, my family over there, um, you know, of course, uh, pay attention to what's happening out there. Uh, um, I don't want to see uh, nobody get hurt, nobody get killed. Um, how I said, um, hope is going to be over and uh, uh, we're going to be living in a uh, good world. The Jets, the lone Canadian team in action tonight. They face a tough test as they face the high-flying Colorado Avalanche. I've sit atop the overall NHL standings where the Jets have lost three straight and start the night six points out of the final playoff spot in the West. Who would have saw that coming in? Speaking of who would have saw that coming in, the Habs uh, in a tough spot. They provided an update on Carey Price, though, today, saying that he is still working off ice and is progressing very well and feeling better. He won't be back on the ice over the next week, but again, Habs say Price is progressing well. Toronto Raptors kick off their post-All-Star break schedule with a visit to the Charlotte Hornets tonight. Fresh off of his first All-Star appearance, Fred Van Vliet will play, while OG Ananobi surprisingly turned up as out on the injury report. Fractured finger. Here's Nick Nurse on OG's status. It has been bothering him for, for a while. Um, we're hoping the All-Star break was just going to it just didn't seem, uh, well, anything any major was wrong with it. Um, was sore, some pain, playing through it, et cetera. Um, decided to get it x-rayed yesterday, and uh, now they're going to go get a, like a second opinion or a specialist to look at it here. Three NBA games available across the Sportsnet family of channels tonight. Heaton Knicks. From MSG, it's on Sportsnet 1, followed by the Lakers and the Clippers. So the double dip on Sportsnet 1, while on Sportsnet now, you can catch James Harden's 76ers debut as they take on a pretty good T-Wolves squad in Minnesota. I chuckle because you haven't been able to say that in a very long time. A good T-Wolves squad. Mm. To tennis in just a couple of weeks after Phoenix Auger Aliassim picked up his first tournament win on the APT Tour. Denis Shapovalov was hoping to follow it up in Dubai. Shapo has won ATP Tour win to his name back in 2019 and was in semifinal action earlier today. We've got some highlights for you. Here's visual evidence of said matchup in Dubai. They've got lights. They turn them on and off. It is Yuri Vesely who he is facing fresh off of beating world number one Novak Djokovic in the quarters. First set needed a tiebreak. Shapovalov set point sends a return of serve into that little frustration. Nearly falls. Take a deep breath. Moments later, another set point. This time, Vesely commits the unforced error, much like a love life before I met my lovely wife. Unforced errors. Shapovalov takes the opening set, 7 6. Second set also needed a tiebreak. Vesely, big serve to jump out to the quick lead. Ranked 123 in the world. And he's making business here. Wins a tiebreaker, 7-2, third set. Vesely again, going to a tiebreak and is able to come through in Dubai. How about this? Not only beating world number one Novak Djokovic, but taking care of Denis Shapovalov. Three hours, 12 minutes. 
a frustrated shot but Valov goes down six seven seven six seven six and Vesely after the match also no war on the camera lens after Russian even Rublev also wrote it earlier in the day all right time for a little more hockey talk and for this my next guest joins me from the NHL on Sportsnet studios where he's working on hockey central tonight coming away in less than 30 minutes time as you know he is my friend and yours Sammy Cosentino what's up Sam doing well thanks I have a couple of messages to pass along Mike Fuda is here and he uh -oh. says um, the, the first version or the first episode of Tim and X friends he wants to be on he said the last time he was on Jesse's wife was then his girlfriend, so I don't know <laughs> so what any of that means. So it's been a while. <laughs> Mike needs to come back. Uh, yeah, Mikey does need to yeah. come. And the last time I, he came in, I believe he brought one, a six-pack of beer for Sid. Yeah, he did. And two, a pretty damn good bottle of scotch <laughs> that I've been hitting up and posting on Instagram and tagging Feuda on each time. And, and I'm going to tell don't you. have him back? And I'm going to tell you, Sammy, you've never brought a bottle of scotch. <laughs> well, now that I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Vin Rouge. He, he, he does. He does. Is that what you're drinking? A little glass of red? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk a little hockey here. And I reached out to you. I texted you earlier in the day. And I said, hey, what do you want to talk about? The first thing that came out was JT Miller. And I'm fascinated by what is going on in Vancouver. They've played well under Bruce Boudreaux, but they're up against the cap. They're on the outside looking in. Like, this feels like among the toughest decisions that anyone is facing going into this trade deadline. How do you see what's going on with Vancouver and more specifically JT Miller? Yeah, it's a pretty crazy situation. So there's going to be tons of suitors, and rightfully so, because you have a guy who even comes back next year at 5.25 million. And so you anticipate that what he's doing this year is something he's going to be able to carry forward into next year as well. And so you have that option as a guy who not only would be valuable to your team at what would look like a team-friendly contract, but also a guy who would be movable at the same point next year as well. So there is his value in getting the player, not just as a rental, but his 20 goals this year, the fact that he can play center, um, move around the wing, plays both the, the special teams. And I'm looking at New York, I'm looking at Carolina, I'm looking at Toronto as all teams that could use a little bit of that grit and determination, some of that versatility, and of course the depth of scoring. So there'll be plenty of suitors. But you know what, Timmy? I, I like what Jim Rutherford did there. Before he even hired Patrick Alvine, he was out there, he made sure that the name got out there, that it opened up the market for him. He was able to probably take some calls on him early on in the fray and as this guy continues to play well they have at least three more weeks to make that decision on him hey do we keep him and try and go into the playoffs and use utilize him next year at a, at a team friendly deal or do we move on him and get a ton for him so they're, they're in a good position to be in uh, Vancouver with JT Miller but he is the fascinating guy to watch this trade deadline for sure so the Oilers have a couple games in hand and they're three points up on the Canucks do you think that the deadline will be decided by the next handful of games for the Canucks like are, is, is it going to be that fine an edge on what the Vancouver Canucks do yeah I, I think it really is going to yeah. be that fine an edge and here's the thing you have to think about all right what's ownership paying for there it's a typically discernible ownership group there yeah. so they're paying two coaches paying two general managers paying a bunch of staff people that aren't even working there playoffs would be important to them they're not a cup contending team um, and to me they're a wild card at best team 
But those few playoff games might mean the difference with a full building to say, hey, you know what? Let's utilize that money to pay off all of these people that we're paying and aren't working for us. Right. Uh, so Calgary beats, uh, gets not beat out of them by Vancouver last night. Um, what do you make of what Calgary's just done? I mean, obviously you go uh, 10 straight, you're allowed one stinker. That was the stinker last night. What, what do you make of Calgary squad? I like their team. I, I like their depth. I like especially what's happened on the back end there. You know, it got ripped apart a little bit. TJ Brody and Mark Jordan will leave. And then you look at the implementation of a guy like Eric Goodbranson, who's big, tough, heavy, physical. You know, Zadorov plays that way. He's a bit of a bonehead sometimes, but he's enough to keep you on edge and for opponents to know where he is out in the ice. Oliver Shillington, who was a guy in his draft year, 2014 as a 16-year-old, came over and played in the American Hockey League All-Star game. It was Faryastad against the AHL All-Stars. And at that point, he was a projected top five pick. I think he ended up going at the end of the second round. This guy is all world right now. And so uh, I look at, love their D, love their goalie in Markstrom. He's a big guy. He's a durable guy. You know, Goudreau's taking it to a next level. Lindholm should be a Selkie guy. Um, you know, Monaghan, you'd like to see him pick it up a little bit, but at least he's producing a little bit in the power play. So I like where they are. And the addition to Toffoli early on, I think, has yeah. really helped stabilize their offense. And he gets uh, climatized to the team because, I mean, this deadline is awfully close to the end of the season. And people keep pushing this back, Sam. It's going to be tough to integrate these new – if you're going for a big piece – it might be tough to get them involved. Yeah, and, and maybe that's part of the strategy, too, to, to you know, move away from all the deadline hysteria that's, that's put forth by people like us <laughs> and make it a little bit more of a, a steady kind of a gradual type situation so it's not so frantic at the end. Was Jagovs in the media? Oh, wait a second. That, that's, <laughs> that's us. us. <laughs> yeah, that's us. Uh, Winnipeg, the only Canadian team in action. Uh, have you figured out what's going on in Winnipeg? I can't, and I'm a, I'm a big Dave Lowry fan. We spent some time together back in his days, uh, you know, coaching in junior hockey and in Victoria and, and before that in, in Calgary. So, I, of course, I want to see him do well. For the network, it would be good to see another Canadian team do well. But my goodness, they're frustrating to watch. You think they're a team that's so uh, good up front that they should be able to score three goals a night. They're just under that. Puts them in the middle of the pack. Power plays, okay. There's a lot of just okay things about this group. You know, Hellebuck um, is not like his... 2018-19 self where he won the Vesna. He's close to that, but not quite there. I think they need that out of him. They revitalized the back end a little bit with, uh, you know, guys like Dylan and, and Pionk, and DeMello comes over in a trade last year. So you think they have all the pieces in place, and you look at the roster on paper, and I know they're banged up, no cop, no Ehlers right now, no Perfetti right now, but I think this is a team that right now at this point is underachieved. I'd love to see them get on a run for about eight or ten games where they're playing good, solid Dave Lowry, in-your-face hockey, couple yeah. scraps and see if they can do something but I don't know I'm with you I, I feel like they like they, it's gotta go now like yeah. I thought that last game and then they had that heartbreaker against Dallas and OT um, we'll see what they do moving forward uh, last one for you on this front is Austin Matthews the favorite for the Hart Trophy right now for the heart yeah. well for the Rocket Richard for yeah. sure I mean that's a that's a no-brainer the heart I I don't think think so. I love Huberto in that spot, and I have for some time. I mean, I think about a Florida team that's really surprised a lot of people. Here's a guy who's leading the league in scoring. He's a plus player. He's playing on special teams. His five-on-five -five numbers are, are really good. He's done just about everything you can ask. Now, the fact that he plays wing probably mitigates the hard conversation just a little bit. A little bit. But Matthews, man, he's, isn't he fun to watch? Like, in the Toronto market, the, the people there have to be so happy with watching that guy every single night. He's awesome.
Uh, we were talking about it earlier. So in his last 100 games, he's got 77 goals. <laughs> it's, it's Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Those are video game numbers. And, 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 you know, the assists of 53, it's not bad. Points per game, 1.30. I mean, if you project that over a healthy season, those are legit numbers. And we heard Sheldon Keefe praise him yesterday for his complete game. And I was saying earlier that those are the kind of little things, Sammy, that I feel like Toronto needs to tie up if they're going to make a real run in the postseason. And I know everyone knows they got the talent. Yeah. It's just those little things. And I thought Austin Matthews yesterday led by example. Oh, the the most exciting part about watching him this year is that all the tools that make him such a gifted offensive player, whether it's a quick stick, the skating ability, the big body, he's now utilizing those things on the other side of the puck. And you saw it in that second goal he scored last night. I mean, he uses that reach, his strength. He's able to pick a puck uh, away from the defender, turn around and put it in the back of the net. So, of course, you're all excited about what he's able to do when he has the puck on a stick. But it's been really fun to watch him on the backtrack, play away from the puck, play defensively. Uh, I've really appreciated that part of his game and the growth in his game, as you would expect any young player. But, you know, you came into it and thought, all right, he's this big offensive guy. What else is he going to do for you? He's doing a lot of those other things right now, and that's probably the most exciting part about his progression. So let me put you into the GM chair of the Toronto Maple Leafs. What are you looking to add at the deadline, and can you add much? A top 4D uh, and some sort of grid up front that can play in your top seven. Probably not going to break your, uh, into yeah, your top, top six. Lines, yeah. But but in your top seven. So those two things are going to be tough to address with being so close to the cap. The Jake Muzzin thing is obviously, uh, you know, there that potentially could clear some cap space. If I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm looking at it like I'm not going to get this guy back for the regular season. Hopefully we can couture off him and get him back in the lineup for the playoffs. So do you think with that cap space they can add a top four defenseman? I mean, there seems to be some real names in the market, but it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you, and it's going to cost you big time. I mean, Chikrin is the guy that you'd think about there. Is he a top four? He's probably a four. Mm-hmm. maybe a three, but he'd kind of be the perfect guy moving forward because he addresses your problem on term. And this is a problem that's, that's gone back the last couple of years to be able to solidify what you have in the top four. So it's, it's good with Muzzin in it. I think it's deficient with him out. Okay, last one for you. Uh, does Edmonton pick up a goalie before the deadline? Oh, my goodness. They have to, don't they? I've been saying it for years and yeah. they haven't, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a recurring problem. Yeah. But now you have a coach there where the players are understanding the defensive principles in the game. And so when you play that good defensive style of game and then you don't get rewarded because the goaltending isn't quite up to par, that can be super frustrating as a coach who's always down your throat. So I, I think they have to do it. Yeah, I feel like if you're going to give Woodcroft a chance, you saved him early from the McClellan regime. You sent him down to Bakersfield, let him kind of – yeah, groom there, and if you're going to give him a chance, you got to give him a goal. I think so too, and it's going to be difficult to do. You're going to have to give up something you don't want to give up, but it might be the best way to do it. Without a doubt, Sammy Cos, always great catching up with you. And tell Fudo we got to get him on the show. I don't know what the hell is going on. Now I got to buy scotch to get on again. Jess, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're killing me over there. Or you could bring another uh, another junior player on, like you have in the past. All right. All Let's right. do it. There's a deal. Thanks, right. guys. You, did, you didn't bring Scotch. You just brought Shane Wright. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Right. Time for a break. Actually, before we get to the break, we said we were going to say this a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. but I wanted to get to our good news of the day. And our good news of the day is a glimmer of hope and perseverance, courtesy of Christian Erickson. Now, you might remember Erickson suffered one of the most 
scary moments in live sports history when he went into cardiac arrest during a Euro 2020 match against Finland back in June. Well, not only is he doing well, but just eight months later, Eriksson is set to return to the pitch in a Premier League game as a member of Brentford. So Eriksson signed a six-month deal with Brentford on transfer deadline day after leaving Inter Milan by mutual consent. You see, Serie A wouldn't let Eriksson play with the pacemaker implant, which he received following his collapse this summer. But there are no such rules in the Premier League, and Eriksson feels ready to go. Brentford hosts Newcastle tomorrow. Manager Thomas Frank has confirmed Eriksson will, in fact, make his debut. Wow. Crazy story. It's an amazing story. It does make me a little bit uncomfortable. Like a little bit, given what we saw and what happened to him. Right. That he's coming back but to you, play. You would think that there would be several really good doctors. That like above make, and beyond. To that make would make sure that yeah. he is good to go. Yeah. As opposed to you and I, who both feel the same sort of way. Yeah. But have faith in the Yes, science. yes. Definitely. Time for a break. We'll get back to your feedback. Before sending it to Hockey Central on the other side. That's right. Tim and Friends continues. Donovan Bennett still to come. Hockey Central on Sportsnet. We got you covered. Sunday on Sportsnet, it is the Secret Dream Gap Tour Final from Ottawa. John Bartlett, Megan Mickelson, and Sean McKenzie have the call. Jeff Merrick, Jennifer Botterill, Manon Rayon hosting the broadcast as well from the studio. You can catch it all 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, Sunday morning on Sportsnet with a live broadcast on Sportsnet TikTok also available. I told you earlier this week while talking to Ken Rosenthal, I was watching on TikTok, Mm. I was watching Wiffle Ball, and it was absolutely mesmerizing. Why don't we just get a a Wiffle Ball and a bat and put some Wiffle Ball in here? I've done it like this, and I've done it like that. I've done it with a Wiffle Ball bat, too. Oof. Um, Bars. Do you uh, do you play wiffle ball? No, not. No. I, but the guys like that would. play at a high level, it's outstanding. Make the ball like absolutely dance. There was video of Jose Batista trying to hit one of these guys. Yeah, and it was like nowhere close. Swinging at air. Wasn't Sam Dyson. <laughs> it, was, it was not Sam Dyson. Anyways, they had this live broadcast on TikTok, and it was amazing. Like, it was mesmerizing. Yeah. No, I think and we should people, get wiffle ball in here and just. Fire away. Part of the part of the beauty of the TikTok broadcast, where I was going with that, is yeah. that you get like this show live interaction. So on the screen, you will see, you know, back and forth, and sometimes the comments are absolutely positively terrible, and you and I see them all the time. All the time. But sometimes uh, they can make it to the broadcast, and they can be fun, and they can be interactive, and they can be real questions. And so that's part of the joy of uh, watching something on TikTok. If you're wondering why the hell I would watch it on TikTok. As opposed to TV. We have some comments that are going to make it to the broadcast now. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, because you asked on? me what a GT, if I knew what a GT snow racer was. Yes. Um, I hesitated paused. for like a second, wow. which sometimes I do, just to make sure that I'm not going to look like a fool. Ends up, <laughs> if you hesitate for a second, you look like a fool. Because I did say later that I had one in the garage and used it all the time. But... 
I know what you're asking for right now. I heard that. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> okay, let's you get to the comments. To, you weren't supposed to catch. This I'm is the getting... magic of TV. I was talking to the producers saying, can we get video of how long he actually paused? Because I don't believe it was just a second. And Jesse could oh, hear oh, me as so I was okay. whispering to the producers. All right. <laughs> let's move on with uh, the Twitter sphere just uh, destroying me yet again. So uh, Shannon says, I almost stopped watching Tim and Friends when he didn't know what a GT snow racer was. I actually responded to Shannon and said, Look, that wouldn't be fair to Tim. That's my bad, my hesitation. Uh, Jordan said, uh, "If you want to be a winner, you got to think like a winner." Rubinoff isn't a winner for shame, Jesse. GT oh, he, Snow Racer. He put the Brett. You know why he put the Brett yeah, Hall there? I have it here somewhere. Yeah. He because Brett Hall had his own badass GT yeah. Snow Racer, and Vinny Cent was thinking along the same lines. Yeah. Right Very well. That is, I mean, that's pretty sick. I didn't have that one exactly. I did have one. It's Don't no remember It's no longer Noma, though, that, uh, that owns the snow racing rights. I wonder uh, I wonder what's going on. Maybe the other two, the other company bought them. It's like Sigma or something. Do a deep, Anyways, deep yeah, dive. A, G, a deep GT snow yeah, racer dive. You might have to. Uh, Martin says, GT snow racer. How does he not know? Very confused. <laughs> yes. uh, Alan says, are you serious? Is he Canadian? <laughs> GT snow racer. Come on. Here, yeah. Just getting started, Sebi. Oh. Uh, there's that one. Then yeah. Roger says, I was all for this new guy on Tim and Friends until he had to Google GT Snow Racer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're enjoying this. <laughs> uh, Bazinga says, uh, took a GT Snow Racer off my roof as a teen. Booze and snowstorms are great for fun. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be a or snowstorm broken, that packs broken some bones. snow, though. Yeah, or you're going to be in some trouble. Jesse, it's right there for you. Uh, East Gwillimbury, Ontario. Right. Yes. In the snow some belt. Room out there. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of a snow belt in Ontario and by those Gwillimberries, my friends. Uh, we do, in fact, have the video. So you said you paused for one second? How did, how did they do it so quickly? <laughs> like, I, I, know how to, I know because this is like my job, but like, how why do, do you guys want how, how do they do it so quickly? So Jesse Rubinoff says to you, so Canada, unfair. that he paused for a second. It was a second. Let's count it together. We, we bought a GT Snow Racer last year. You don't know what a GT Snow Racer is. One, two, three. What's <laughs> a GT Snow five, Racer? Six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine. Oh, okay, no, I have a defense. That was more than a second. I have a defense no, even no after defense. looking at the video. Stop. Okay. Stop. What? It was not a second. No, it wasn't a second. But what I will say, you asked me. No, we're allowed to. Hey. You said, do you, know, you said, do you know what a GT Snow we're, Racer is? And immediately, you, didn't even give me a chance, you said, you don't know what a GT Snow Racer is, do you? Like, instantly. I brought up GT Snow Racer. Didn't give me a chance to I respond. counted several, several <laughs> seconds, and then you said, what's a GT Snow Racer? <laughs> you are a terrible lawyer. I'm going to get one. I'm going to, like, what, Canadian Tire? They still have them. Yeah, Canadian, They're not made course, by Noma Canadian anymore, but I'll go to Canadian Tire, get one, and then uh, maybe I'll video it. I'll be this waiting weekend. for that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Time to send it to Hockey Central. They know, although Cameron's younger, too. Cameron, do you know, does Carolyn Cameron know what a GT stand is? Yeah, I would vote yes. Mike Feuda, Sam Cosentino. Might hesitate, by. As for us, we'll continue on Sportsnet 360. Donovan Bennett knows what a GT snow racer is. Well, let's ask him. Back in 60 seconds on 360. studio did you hear the chair guys <laughs> he just slid in and we don't have a lot of time 60 seconds i didn't have a lot of time to start the show i don't know if you saw that but 
I kind of uh, got caught in the DVP on the way down. Really? Yeah. yeah. You it stopped. You pulled a Bob McCowan? I, you I pulled late a Late for your own show? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I literally ran into studio a minute before. You should be fine. But, hold on. The difference was like if you're a football player. Every show. Uh, listen, I, I can't confirm or deny what you're saying. Uh, if you were a football player, you'd be fine. Because you have to be in the meeting two minutes before the meeting starts, which I found annoying, the Tom Coughlin rule. Like, just tell me what time I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> right. Don't find me right. because I'm not there before. But it actually, as you get older, and that's what wisdom is, you, you learn about mm -hmm. these rules that old people put in place. Mm -hmm. They're for your good. When you get older, it, if you're just rushing into the meeting, you're not settled, you don't have your playbook open, you're not ready, attentive, mm -hmm. with a forward posture, looking to learn, then you're not there. Then you're not present. Right. Then you're not striving for excellence. Then you can't win the day. So you, my friend, yes. let the audience down. I have, I have you let yourself down. Yeah. You should have been here earlier. And you obviously didn't get makeup because you just ran into the studio. <laughs> no, I did not get makeup today. And that but, is another but, way that you both Coach let Bennett. the audience down and yourself down by wow. not getting makeup. I, I like just, Coach Bennett. This is... Got any other words of wisdom, Coach Bennett? No, I, I just stole all that from Larry Haler and added to that. It was my own thoughts. All right. Uh, I got to ask you a question. Sure. Wiffle ball or GT snow racing? Like, which would I prefer? Yes. Well, one, for, let the record show that I know what a GT snow racer is. Well, you were prepped. So, by living in Canada for 37 years. That's how I was prepped. Yeah, he was prepped by living in Canada. Yes. By, by walking down the aisle of uh, Canadian Tire. Um, I, I would choose. I would personally choose wiffle ball. But both are fun activities for family yeah. and friends. Someone sent me like these GT snow race legends on YouTube, and it's just insanity what these guys are doing. As someone with a son. I don't really want to show this <laughs> because they're absolutely unbelievable. But, I love how the, the director, Matt Taylor, listens to me, also has a son, takes it immediately off the screen because he realized what right. we were doing. But this is a great point because... It's fine, Matt. It's uh, not that bad. You know, we have a graduated license program, right? <laughs> yes. You can't just get the keys to a car. There are steps in yeah. place. I'm one to say you can't go straight from magic carpet... <laughs> To GT Snowracer. That is putting yourself and others yeah. in a harm's way. Yeah. I, I would argue driving a GT Snowracer might be more difficult than driving most cars right. in 2022. Right. First thing, do you know what a magic carpet is? Uh, it's like, it, it's, it doesn't have like holes in it, and you, you roll back the carpet and you right. slide okay. it. I got it? What about the, what about, yeah. Oh. That's not, you haven't impressed anybody. You've, okay, just, you, you've gotten maybe a okay. sliver of your Canadian citizenship back. What about the circles? I don't know what they're called. It's just like a circle and it's hard plastic. Like that's got to be a flying saucer. Is that what those things are called? Even I knew that. Like that that's got to be some sort. <laughs> Jesse is trying so hard to get some sort of credibility back. The flying saucer. Is that like, is that a step between... Is it the first step? Is it the second step? Because you have no control over the flying saucer. This, this is why you host a show with your name on it. Because it is a great point. The flying saucer, Tim, is what we call a bridge vehicle. So it takes you from magic carpet yeah. safely to GT Racer. Because you, you, you're dealing with angles, leverage, right. you know, moving your body weight. Mm -hmm. With a carpet, you sit down and 
really it's a snowplow the Let's topography is letting you know where you're gonna go you you have topography, no choice yes very good word topography um i just have one tweet before you guys in, ha, engage in another conversation change the subject uh mike says if tim had his gt snow racer he would have made it to work on time today <laughs> no, I wouldn't, no. <laughs> all right good, I, I know you. you've been working on a ton of ish and none of it has to do with wiffle ball which jesse's got one in his hand right now or GT Snow Racers, which I have in my garage at home. No, although I, I do have uh, both those things in my garage at has, home. Has, has Dez got under the GT Snow Racer yet? Uh, no, and he won't be getting on one for a while. Uh, <laughs> I don't need those problems. Um, but, it, but it's funny that you, you referenced Dez uh, because it's through, I suppose, those eyes as a father that uh, the next piece comes to mind. It is crazy because we talked about it at the time on air and personally that it is 10 years since Trayvon Martin's death. In the interim, what's changed for me is I've become a father. And so I, I talked to a, a couple NHL players who were not part of the social conversation at the time, but are certainly now in terms of how we're looking to progress issues so that we don't have more trending names like Trayvon Martin, George Floyd, and the ones in between. I, I wanted to give them a spotlight to let them say how they felt at the time, how they feel now, and how hockey can help solve some of these solutions and problems. And Here's what they said. Trayvon Martin was my son. But he's not just my son. He's all of our son, and we have to fight for our children. So we're now 10 years from Trayvon Martin's passing. What do you remember from that time when he died? You know, I just remember watching the news and, you know, hearing that a young black kid had been shot and, you know, he was wearing a hood. It stirs up a lot of emotions inside. A 17-year-old kid being um, gunned down when he has no, no weapon on him, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking. My family came to my house and I remember my grandma left crying. It was something that I'll kind of always remember. I felt like most parents did at that time, um, losing a son. I know it was tragic for everyone. Some of the talking points were, you know, he was wearing a hoodie and he was late at night as a black man. He was deemed a threat. When you heard that characterization, what did you think? My kids wear hoodies and sometimes they're out late at night and you wonder if they're safe. A black kid can't walk through a neighborhood wearing a hoodie without being you know, considered a criminal and being shot dead. Our number one priority is we want them to be safe. That was on my mind a lot and still is up to this day. Doesn't matter where they are, are they safe? I would have liked to think that we would have you know, come a lot further than that. Even 10 years later today, it's, it ain't much different. LeBron James tweeted a team photo of the Miami Heat wearing hoodies to pay tribute to Martin, who was wearing a hoodie when he was killed. One of the things that occurred when Trayvon passed, athletes started to use their platform to talk about it. Do you remember things like the Miami Heat 
taking a photo with hoodies on and other athletes using their platforms to talk about his tragic loss? Yes, um, you know what, the NBA players really were front and center in terms of showing their disapproval. Not to get any justice for Trayvon and his family, it was only a matter of time before, you know, you know athletes started speaking and using their platform for things like that. One of the biggest reasons why athletes are really speaking up right now is because they can and there's no place for their words to hide anymore. It's out there and they have to be heard. What changes have you seen in our overall conversation about anti-black racism? Have you noticed from Trayvon's death, fast forward to the racial reckoning of spring of 2020 and George Floyd's death? It's being spoken about more now. I know a lot of people don't want to hear it because it's an uncomfortable conversation, but I think us as black athletes, you know, we have a platform and we have to speak out, we have to push these issues or else it's, you know, it's just going to go by the wayside again. It's unfortunate that the events keep happening, but it's kind of at the forefront of like the news and social media. Now, when an incident happens, there's a video of it, everybody's got their phone out, it's put on social media, it's on the news, it goes worldwide and it's in your face. What are you doing? You're supposed to de-escalate. How is this de-escalating? Why is he under arrest? He did nothing. He did nothing for this. The biggest difference for me personally from Trayvon to George Floyd is now I have a kid. Yes. So instead of seeing myself in those shoes, I see my kid. Is it the same for you? 100%. And I always say to my wife, it scares the heck out of me. What if they're out one day and you know, the unthinkable happens. It's extremely scary. My three boys left home at an early age. I've spent a lot of time worrying, and, and that's what parents do. I'm trying to help leave a better life for my kids. You know, they're, they're obviously kids of color, and I want my kids to grow up feeling safe in, in who they are and where they come from and who their parents are and, you know, the color of their skin. I don't want them to feel uncomfortable because of any of that. The message coming from a predominantly white league has a very strong impact when it's coming from players like this. Most of these guys have never lived through some of the stuff that black athletes have. They don't feel that racism. Hockey athletes have a platform. Have you seen a change at all in the last 10 years in terms of hockey being a part of that conversation? Not really, to be honest, and it's quite frustrating. You know, I think that's why, you know, I joined the HDA, you know, so we could help push this conversation forward in hockey. As a hockey community, when something happens, you know, you gotta take a stand and say, we're not gonna stand for that, we're not gonna allow that to be in our sport. We're more of a reactive league. We don't react until it's too late, and, you know, it's kind of forced as a league. There's gotta be more emphasis put on having this topic constant so it's in your face so that, you know, we can actually do something about it and people are aware of it and not trying to hide from it. What role can the hockey community play moving forward to push these conversations forward and be a big part of anti-black racism? Remember what Martin Luther King says, if you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. Whatever you do, keep moving forward. And I really believe the hockey community is moving forward. As we make hockey more diverse, as we reach out to communities who don't traditionally play hockey and get them in the game, I think those bridges that we're building um, will serve the sport and serve a society in ways that we probably can't imagine. If you're black, your name trends, if you have a great athletic performance, album drop, or if you die the hands of police. When you think about that fact, how does it make you feel? 
kind of like minimized. You think all we're good for is sports and, and, and being killed? I think as a people, we're extremely creative, we're extremely smart, and you know we should be celebrated for much more than just being athletes or being killed by the cops. Racism and hate is kind of something that's taught and like passed down. We really got to work on kind of the younger people, and I think the younger people are going to be, you know, a part of change going forward. Obviously, I think just as a society, we need to just realize that, you know. It doesn't matter where you come from, the color of your skin. Let people live and let people love and let people enjoy life. We have to be intentional about educating people. And you know, I'm gonna use this story. Uh, PK was uh, 10 or 11, we were in Waterloo in a tournament. I'm walking with a parent and someone said something about PK and I didn't hear it. Up to this day, he won't tell me what he heard, but he did something. When you hear something, do something. When you hear something, say something. And through education, I think hockey will strengthen its ability to be a bridge uh, to make our society better. You know, my dad once said to me, you can't learn when you're talking. Mm. And as a kid that liked to talk a lot, uh, it's stuck in the back of my head. And I feel like it's so important to see and hear these conversations. And unfortunately, I've seen and heard these conversations um, in my personal life. And seeing them in person, sitting with you, you can feel trauma with actual human beings. And I think that's important to build allies for the fight because if you're a human being with any sort of empathy I think sometimes even when you're maybe even more when you're uncomfortable it allows you to understand a little bit better what you're going through though not being able to be completely in your shoes I go all that way to say I think that's what you've been doing over the last little while that's what you've done and that's what I've been impressed with with a lot of the work that you guys have been doing this month Tried to. Yeah, we had a lot of help. Um, certainly we've tried at Sportsnet, but we reached out to external creators in the black community to help us and bring us there. And, you know, the thing that's important for me is showing that the experience is not a monolithic one. Right. So we often talk to football players and basketball players. We talk about Jackie Robinson, but there's so many other stories. That's why I wanted to the hockey guys who are part of the black diaspora a shot. And on Monday, we're, we're doing a video essay in partnership with Tennis Canada talking about the fact that when you think about black people, you don't think about tennis. Right. Think about Arthur Ashe. Serena and Venus, um, James Blake, and now in this country, Felix, right. they represent so much more and they all have had huge impact off of the court. Um, and I throw Naomi Osaka in there as well. So uh, that drops Monday. Uh, so it's been a great month. I, I look forward to it and I look forward to uh, the next segment. You're going to stick around? Uh, yeah. I will. All right. Time for one last break. Uh, last call, Jesse Rubinoff next as we get you the best of the week winner and wrap up our week with Donovan Bennett in the studio. I'm Tim and Friends. Welcome back to the final segment of Tim and Friends as we name the best of the week. That's right, you've been voting for the best of the week at Tim and Friends on Twitter. We've got our friend Donovan Bennett in the studio. We've got our friend Jesse Rubinoff pulling up the results. And uh, we talked a lot about the GT Snow Racer all show long. Guess what? Our winner needs a GT Snow Racer. The weather's crazy today. 
Snow and bad. I like the snow though. Do you? Yeah, I do. Do you want to go tobogganing right now? I'd love to. I got schoolwork though. Ah, uh, what are you studying? Physiology. Well, good luck, man. Yeah, the know. weather right now is snowing. It's really bad, honestly. It's bad, but it's good for tobogganing. I don't know what tobogganing is. What's that? Can you go down a sled on down the hill in the snow? I'm actually from like Africa, so. You want to go tobogganing right now? She's never done that before. Yeah, sure. Where in Africa are you from? I'm from Zimbabwe, actually. When did you come to Canada? Like last year. Did you come with your family by yourself? No, by myself. So like, yeah. Oh. Oh, wow. I wish I did this sooner. Come on, Benji! Oh, love it, bro. That's uh, we need to get him a GT snow racer now. We do. Get them both a GT snow racer. Uh, all right, so Donovan Bennett's here, Jesse Rubinoff's taking care of last call after our best of the week winner. Yeah, uh tobogganing. Gonna have to do it this weekend. Is like have you been shamed in like it's okay happens well, I can't go I can't go tobogganing. no but like you're trying so hard to make up for this I didn't know you're gonna go tobogganing this weekend by your like a grown-ass yeah. man by yourself like what are you talking about here you don't even have kids no is that weird cut around dog like Donovan that's a great that's a great question that's a great question <laughs> cut around cut the question. dude that shows up at the tobogganing hill at the age of 32 33 33 by himself I don't like when I don't like when that happens with ages. How old are you? And you're always like the answer is higher than what the person suggests. Remember the young man conversation? I do. I do. Donovan's still a young man. It's 33, young man. Let's get on with last call. I don't, I don't know if I'm yeah. young enough to, to solo toboggan though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm that young. Like I think what is what are you saying? Elementary school? The cutoff? I'm gonna stay indoors this weekend then. I've been shamed into not tobogganing this weekend. The Canadian senior men's basketball team is back in action this weekend with a couple of qualifiers you can watch right here on Sportsnet. First on Saturday against the Dominican Republic, then against the Virgin Islands on Sunday. Timmy, what are you looking to see from this team over the weekend? Depth once again, and for those who don't know, the way we're going to qualify for the World Cups and the Olympics in the future is by depth. And we've got players coming in from Russia, we've got players coming in from Europe, and they're doing all the dirty work for the teams that might be full of NBA players. So once again, we've got to show love to a roster. The scrubs are back, Thomas and Phil. Kazaki Jammy Keen, Aaron Best, former Tim and Friends intern, Ryerson Owen Class and Kyle Wolcher, Trey Bell Haynes, the list goes on and on. Uh, but this is the depth that needs to get Canada into a World Cup and an Olympics. And during a break in their seasons, traveling yeah. to do it. And also, you know, shout out to the CBL who, you know, the, the rise of that league has made that pool even stronger. Uh, so we literally, if we qualify, it'll take the entire country. I think it was 15 of the 24 invitees to this camp were from the CEBL. So and, uh, we were talking about the CPL and Hamilton Forge, unfortunately yeah. losing to Cruz Azul. They went to Azteca Stadium and CONCACAF Champs League. But the CPL and the CEBL, domestic pro leagues matter. And yeah. this is proof. This would be nice if we had some for some women. Shout that out too. Whatever. By the way, Natalia Chanwa said that last time she's in. She's oh. working on this broadcast. Great minds take a look. She's a natural Full on the broadcast. Um, the Warriors went into Portland last night and took care of business against the Blazers. But before the game, <laughs> mm -hmm. Steph. Steph. 
Yeah. Uh, kind of looking like someone out of The Matrix, perhaps. He's DJ. Looking like he's in a Missy Elliott video. <laughs> when we were in Jesse, high school. Jesse, do you know who Missy oh, Elliott is? Listen, I, no one is a Steph Curry stand more than me. Yeah, you love this I, I can't. I can't. So this is cut. Co-sign. Yes. That's a the hard cut for Timmy. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> done with it. It does look like he's in the Matrix at very least. He yes. got lost in James Harden's closet. Are you? Do you have another one, or do we? Are we done? One more quick. They okay. want to do. MLS season kicks off tomorrow with uh, both TFC and the Vancouver Whitecaps in action. Uh, CF Montreal take the pitch on Sunday against Orlando City. Over under one and a half Canadian teams make the Over. MLS playoffs this season. Over Just all like three that. teams: what? Vancouver, Just like that. Montreal. What? The toughest one might be Toronto, and they've what? got Insigne. All three teams make the playoffs. Insigne. Uh, thanks for stopping by. My pleasure. Uh, Donovan Bennett, Jesse Rubinoff, Tim McCallum. It's Friday then. It's Saturday, Sunday. It's Friday then. It's, it's Friday Sunday. then. It's Saturday, Sunday. What? It's Friday then. It's Saturday, Sunday. What? It's Friday again. It's Friday. Hey, Tim. Knock, knock. Who's there? Go up, let <laughs> I love it. Jimmy can lose control. Oh, no. Oh, and it was a good run, too. Well, we, a dog's got to do what a dog's got to do. What a show. Disqualified, Jesse. Disqualified. Disqualified. You cannot apparently poop on the course and finish the race. It's just so ironic. Uh, this is not a headline you see every day. Finnish cross-country skier suffers frozen penis in 50 kilometers. I didn't know if we were allowed to say that. That's a, that's said, a hard you know thing to do. The Austin Powers scene is one of the best ever. Wait, that's not a word pecker. It looks like someone's private. Does it say frosted tip on our screen right now? <laughs> and we were playing like a, a team from an Italian neighborhood. And the nunna came over, and I look up, and all, all I hear is, hey, hey! And I look up, and an Italian nunna gave me the iron. <laughs> <laughs> and I started That's real, though. That's I real. started dying. And Mo at least got a crazy beat out Yes, it. yes. I don't know if you remember the Mo bomb. Mm. Don't worry, this is just an instrumental, kids. Did I just see you dancing? No, it wasn't on camera. Busted. What do you mean it wasn't on camera? Was it? Was there a? Uh, Dude, was can't... there some sort of? What you want to re-rack it? How could you not you move break a little the bit? Rule, the one easy rule that you lost the bet on that you could not dance on the show. I thought it was you can't dance at the start of every hour. <laughs> you did not think that. That is a. We're gonna have to go to court. Gonna... <laughs> I call BS on that. Yeah, I made that up. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. The weekend. What?